Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, hosting alongside Jake Deemer, and we have a guest this week. Sam, welcome to the episode. Hey, I, I'm surprised you guys say the intro every single time. I thought it was just like a clip you guys did and just threw it in there, but respect for actually doing it each day or each time. It's not, so I hope that we leave that first part in where you mocked the <laughs> recording. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, it, it is not a pre-recorded intro. We do it live every time. Thought you would know that because I've been off, you know, a couple times over the past month, and Jake, Jake has done the intro. I think uh, I normally like to skip my podcast intros because, like, some of them do like hour-long musics and intros, and then just like get to the point. I guess we're not getting to the point right now. So no, we're we not getting get to, to the point. Yeah. Let's jump in. Uh, we're happy to have Sam on for the first time this season. As you can tell, Sam is a professional podcaster, has the super high quality microphone. So we're happy it's to have him. Sixty dollars. It's okay though. Hey, that's more than most people would spend on a microphone. But let's get into our week. 19 episode this is episode 20 um and we're actually going to be talking about i know we've been talking about the playoffs for the most part over the the past few episodes this week we're actually going to take a look at next year and uh give a little airtime to our to our sellers and our rebuilders so that we've that to look forward to but let's get into the prior week recap looking back at week 18 biggest upset i'm going to lead us off and uh i'm just going to give a little preview of of my thought on this episode, Sam, you're going to get a lot of love. Uh, It's just kind of a theme that I noticed as I was prepping all of my portions of the content this week. My biggest upset was you versus big money, Mike. Uh, It was by far our highest scoring matchup of the week. And this one came down to literally the last plate appearance of the matchup with Corey Seager delivering a matchup winning single off of position player pitcher, Brandon Drury for the New York Mets. And despite Mike getting a little overexcited with his comparison to a championship matchup, um, (laughs) I don't think that's going to be possible since you're both virtually a lock for the West side of the bracket at this point. Not to mention, I might question our playoff format if a 500 team and a sub 500 team both made the title round. Nonetheless, yeah, you never know. Nonetheless, this was one of two super exciting matchups that came down to the wire and is the second matchup in a row that Mike has lost by less than two points. Hopefully he does not have that kind of bad luck in the playoffs. Sam, I'll let you jump in. What was your biggest upset? I mean, I had me over Mike just because Mike's up there in the rankings and I'm early climbing a little bit, but still down there lower. But um, for my backup, I had the league median with a monster week over Nate, Courtney, and JC, and just barely losing to Jake by a couple of points. But league median really set a good lineup, uh, had a good strategy out there, and and came to play in this week. A league median was a monster. This It really wasn't even that high compared to the last couple of weeks, but just a lot of underperformances, low achieving from you know typically some of the steady producers in our league. Jake, I'm hoping that you're going to pick the matchup that I chose not to talk about. What's your biggest upset this week? Yeah, I had you losing to Courtney. I think that considering the trajectory that both of your teams were on, this was surprising. And uh, I'll just segue into my biggest takeaway, and that is that this doesn't even matter because at this point, who cares if you face Sam or Mike in the first round? They're both really hot. And I mean, it doesn't, I don't think it matters which one of those guys you face in the first round. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Sam, what was your biggest takeaway? 
Uh, my biggest takeaway is that the top teams look submissive and breedable with some some low scoring. I think there could be some update upsets coming. You guys, you guys are looking a little little trashy to me. Coming there coming could, for your ass. Are we allowed yeah, to swear? Yeah, you can. There, <laughs> okay. there could be some upsets. I would normally get nervous because, as Jake just said, it's looking like my first round opponent is going to be either you or Mike, and both of you have been very hot lately. Who would you call out if we did that one thing where you like you got to choose your, you got you choose your opponent? Who would you choose? I think. See, this is tough because Mike has the better team, but he also has more injuries. Um, I think that I would choose Mike right now just because Julio Urias was just played. And we're going to get, we're actually going to talk about this later in the episode. Julio Urias was just placed on the injured list. I know it was only with a bruised calf. I really don't want to spoil because we're going to talk about this in detail later, but I think that they put him on the IL because he is way over his career high of innings pitched in a single season. So I think it could be longer than the minimum 10 days, even though it's just for a bruised calf. And I think that might bleed into the first round of the playoffs. We'll see. Um, my biggest takeaway was never, it's never speak too soon. Uh, and, and if you were paying attention to our group chat last night, you know what I'm referring to. I got ahead of myself when it looked like Max Scherzer, uh, the win that he would secure after he had exited the game would deliver a head-to-head win for me in my matchup with Courtney. And I actually also got ahead of myself in declaring Michael winner when I mentioned that he was locked into the three seed for the West Division and that Sam was locked in for the seven seed as the first wild card. But instead, the Dodgers-Mets game got out of hand, like I just mentioned, and gave the Dodgers offense a chance at some extra batting practice since the Mets opted to bring in position player pitchers, which ended up throwing a big cork in the outcomes I expected since Chris Taylor and Corey Seager were both able to pick up matchup winning hits at the end of the game. In conclusion, I'm an idiot for speaking too soon. Uh, but that brings us to an exciting wild card race update. I feel like this has just been something that we breeze over every week. This week, it, you know, it all comes down to, and specifically for the second wild card spot, who wants it the most. So right now we have Sam. He has earned himself a playoff berth. He's currently the seven seed, the first wild card, weak pullout hitter with a 17 and 19 record. He's not actually locked into that spot yet. And I'll touch on that a little bit later. But the second wild card spot, that's the exciting race. We have Jerwin currently uh, controlling the race, team positivity with a 13 and 23 record. But right behind him is Brendan and Eddie, both with 12 and 24 records. That is the Sotolist shuffle and gone forever. I'm actually going to talk pretty much in great detail about the path to a playoff berth for each of those teams a little bit later in the episode. So we will revisit that conversation. Let's get into our rebuilders review, fellas. Uh, this one's probably long overdue since the trade deadline passed a few weeks ago. And to be honest, most of these teams had their, you know, their selling done before the trade deadline, at least most of it. So I'm excited to finally talk about it. We haven't given much airtime to the selling teams besides maybe Sam since he's been in the playoff mix this whole time. So today we want to take a look at the job that they did selling and evaluate how valuable those pieces that they got will be for 2022 and for future seasons beyond that. And specifically, we're going to be looking at the teams that declared and acted as clear sellers, which are Scott, Jordan, Brendan, and Sam. I know uh, 
Eddie is also kind of down there in the standings, but he didn't really do a lot of selling in my opinion. So I decided to leave him off for this segment's purposes. But without further ado, let's go ahead and start with Scott. So the questions that we're going to ask of each of these teams, who we think their, their franchise player is, as in like, who's the, the best keeper or the, the best mix of discount and skill for the player. Um, we're going to rank their top five key, keepers in our opinion, and then we're going to give them an overall grade for the job that they did selling based on what they had to work with. So we're going to start with Scott. And Jake, I'll ask you first, who do you think Scott's franchise player is? This is a pretty easy one. It's Wander Franco. Uh, he's coming around lately. I think he's the best. He's the most talented player on Scott's team and uh, the guy with the highest upside for our points league format. Yeah, that's not a surprising answer. Uh, Sam, who do you have as his franchise player? Yeah, I had Franco, but I think you could also make an argument for J-Rod, depending on when they bring him up, just because he's in the 21st round and has the talent. But I think it's definitely Franco right now. Yeah, I was actually between three guys. You guys mentioned the obvious one, Wonder Franco. The the other guy that I was considering at the same position was Bobby Witt Jr. He's looking like a superstar prospect in the making and is currently the number two overall prospect on Roto-Wire. And this is after uh, both Jared Kellenick and Wonder Franco have graduated. The guy that I picked, Sam, you just mentioned, it's Julio Rodriguez. He's currently the number one prospect on Roto-Wire. He is eligible in center field and right field. And the reason why I chose him over Wonder Franco is because not only does he have an extra year of eligibility with three years left, but you kind of touched on it. He's at a super steep discount. And I think that there's no reason for the Mariners to not bring him up next season. Whereas the Rays have kind of already been good the past couple seasons without Franco, the Mariners to, to really kickstart their push into the playoffs and being a perennial contender I think they're going to kind of need to bring up all of their young guys that they've been sitting on in the farm for the past few years. I think Julio Urias is going to be, not Urias, Julio Rodriguez is going to be kind of one of the mainstays. And, and I would hope that since he's had this full season to kind of season himself in the minors, that it would be a smoother transition for him than it has been for fellow top prospect in the Mariners system, Jared Kellenick. Uh, so it's really close between those three guys. I think I would have to give the edge to Julio, yeah, Julio Rodriguez, just because that year, extra year of eligibility and the steeper discount. But I can totally see an argument for all three. There's a lot to share. I want you guys to rank the top five keepers from Scott's team in your personal order. Sam, you go first. I had Franco one, J Rod two, then Kalenic three, and then I had Gore McKenzie both at four since they're in the eighth round. I don't, I don't know if you can justify keeping both of those guys. And then I had actually Bruhan at five and I didn't meant I had Bobby Wood as my honorable mention, just because I don't know if you want to keep two short stops if you're, if you're going with Franco. All right. List. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting list. That's definitely a little bit different than mine. I guess I'll go next. My number one for Scott is Julio Rodriguez. Number two for me is Bobby Wood Jr. That was an honorable mention for you, Sam. I think Bobby Wood Jr. Kind of has all the makings to be a points league stud. Uh, Right behind him, like it coin flip between these two guys. I have Wander Franco. I think that Bobby Wood Jr. can be just as good as Franco, uh, at least in these next couple years. So because he has that extra year of eligibility, I did give him the nod over Franco. But Franco is a very close 
third right behind him. Then I have Jared Kelenic. And then in fifth, I have Spencer Torkelson. So my list looked a little bit different. Jake, I'm curious to hear what you had for your top five. I want to Wander Franco. Two, I have Bobby Witt. Three, I actually have Andrew Vaughn, who is another one who's coming around a little bit lately. And I guess for my theme here is I do need to see, with the exception of Witt, uh, I do need to see it first in the majors. My, the reason Witt is the exception is because I think he's closer to, than the other guys. And then I had Rodriguez and then Kalenic. Okay, so you had – read that back to me, Jake. Bronco, mm-hmm. Witt, Vaughn, Kalen- or Rodriguez, Kalenic. Gotcha. So we have a little bit of variety in our rankings here. Neither Sam nor myself had Andrew Vaughn in our top five, but neither Jake nor Sam had Torkelson in their top five. Um, yeah, Scott's – whether you view it as good or bad that he has kind of like the all prospect team uh, for his, his keeper pool, he definitely has a lot of options. So that's, uh, I guess, depending on where you fall in that conversation, whether you are a little bit more risk averse and don't like the idea of top prospects being your keepers or whether that excites you and the potential, the upside, the hopefully superstardom awaiting Scott, if that excites you and that's your kind of thing, then Scott has a great keeper pool. Um, overall grade for Scott. Now, this is kind of a tough one. This is a unique situation because most of the big pieces that he had coming into the year, I should say the roster had coming into the season, were sold off in the big trade that me and Andrew Baum made. So putting that aside, when Scott took over the roster, what would you give Scott as an overall grade for the job that he did selling relative to what he had available? I will ask you first, Jake. I went with a B. Uh, the previous owner in auto draft kind of torpedoed any chances to land big names, but this is a very risky keeper pool that could very easily not work out, and you're going to have to rebuild again next year. And but I do think that this is one where, I guess his his keeper pool is one that could change the most in spring training next year, where my rankings could completely change. So I do think he. he there's a chance he could have some strong options that way. But I, I think the lack of uh, proven guys outside of, because outside of the, outside of Franco, none of these guys have really performed well. And Franco is only doing so recently. So I think that uh, with the lack of the kind of established options could potentially hurt him. Yeah, those are some good points. Um, I guess I'll jump in next. I also gave him a B. And keep in mind, we could go A plus, A minus, like, you know, the whole plus and minus thing with all these letters. So ironically, Jake and I gave Scott the exact same grade of a B here. And what I was looking at specifically, I think I think in the trade where he acquired Wonder Franco, he traded away Shohei Otani straight up. And there's no question that looking back on that now, you'd rather have Otani. So I think that that was a loss, even though Wonder Franco should be a big-time keeper for Scott. But then you have other trades where he traded Rizel Iglesias, I think, to Sam for yeah. Bobby Witt, or did, did you... I think there was two in there for Bobby. I don't know. It was, it was something. But yeah, it was something around there. Essentially, he gave up a reliever to get Bobby Witt Jr., who 
Jake and I have as his number two keeper available. So I think that that was a win. Um, he got Spencer Torkelson off of the waiver wire. That's a guy that I have in my personal top five. I know that Jake and Sam do not, so I count that as a win. But then Kalenic, I would say that that was, or Kalenic, I'd say that that trade was mostly a wash because the players that he gave up at the time, it, it felt like he was paying a ton for Kalenic, right? But they didn't really turn into what I was looking for. But then on the flip side of the coin, I don't think that Kalenic has turned into what Scott was looking for. So I kind of call that one a wash. So overall, I think that Scott put together a keeper pool with tremendous upside. But I think that he had a couple moves where he kind of lost the move, a couple where he won the move. And so overall, that's why I, why I kind of landed on a B with him, or for Scott. Sam, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I gave him a B minus just because I don't like prospects. I don't trust them. I don't like them. I don't think they're cool. Um, yeah, I guess that's why I didn't have Bobby Witt very high on the list just because I don't trust him very much. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and I and I I would have given him like a C or something overall just for the list of prospects. But you mean know, you got to bump him up up a couple letter grades just because that other kid sold his best players for like a half a stale meatball. Uh, he got pretty much nothing for his best players. So I think you got to give him a little bit of props for having what he does have right now. Um, but yeah, I'm just not a big prospect guy, so I'm I'm not too excited about it. But um, I'm sure at least one or two of these guys will prove me wrong. Yeah. So that's kind of where we land with Scott, B, B minus area. Uh, we should say, to be fair, he didn't really have anything to work with when he took over the roster besides, did he have Strasburg, John Means... Shohei Otani, Luke Voigt. Like, those were his biggest he, he pieces. Acquired, he acquired Shohei Otani. He had Severino. Okay. Severino, John Means, Steven Strasburg, Nelson Cruz, Luke Voigt. Those were, like, his biggest names. Yeah, so, the roster was pretty much gutted before he got there. So. Yeah. I think, all things considered, like, you know, he did well for what he had to work with. But didn't turn a rusty nail into a gold bar either. All right, let's move on to Jordan. Jordan's our next team. I'll probably there. I, there was two guys I think that you could consider, maybe three, uh, that you can consider for his franchise player. I think I went with the one that is most obvious in Kyle Tucker. He is, I believe, left field and right field eligible. Obviously, plays for the Houston Astros, but I'll cut my analysis there, Jake. Who do you have as Jordan's franchise player? Uh, I had it between Tucker and Devers. I ended up going with Tucker because of the discount and the extra year of eligibility. Okay. Sam, who do you have as his franchise player? I have Devers just because I like Devers a lot and I follow the Red Sox kind of casually. Um, but yeah, I like, I like Devers. I like how he's produced this year. Um, I drafted him even though I had Machado already just because I liked him and I dealt him pretty quickly but yeah i like devers a lot um tucker's really good too but uh i put devers just one above him i think we're all pretty much in agreement here though because i was also between tucker and devers and i chose tucker for the same reason that jake laid out i will lead off with my top five keepers from jordan's team it's one kyle tucker who has two years of eligibility a 12th rounder and then a ninth rounder two rafael devers who is eligible in the ninth round next year and then not eligible after that 
three, this is one that I actually forgot about until I was basically done ranking his keepers. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I miss this guy on his team. I have to rearrange my entire rankings list now. It's Brian Reynolds. Uh, I thought I was going to be the only one with him on my list. No, he's number three for me. <laughs> he's available in the 21st, then the 16th, then the 12th round. So he still has all three years of eligibility left and was taken in the last round of our draft. That was proved to be a steal. Fourth, I have Casey Mize, who is eligible for three years, starting in the 15th next year. And then fifth, I have Tim Anderson, who is eligible for two more years, uh, which will be the 13th round and then the 10th round. Sam, I'll let you go next since I hawked one of your picks. Yeah, I have the same list, just a little bit jumbled around. at Devers, Tucker, uh, Mize, Anderson, Reynolds. Reynolds fifth, huh? I feel like that's a little harsh. Brian Reynolds is an MVP candidate. Give the Pittsburgh yeah, Pirates I mean, stars respect. Any like I do opposite of Homer picks. Like if you play for the Pirates or the Steelers or the Penguins or something, I automatically think you're worse than you really are for some reason. I don't know why. It's just I think I have opposite Homer brain for some reason. It's interesting. It's good to know for the future, though. <laughs> Jake, what are your top five for Jordan's team? Uh, Tucker's or Tucker, Devers, Reynolds, Anderson, and then I actually had Michael Kopech as my fifth Ooh. one. And that's the reason is because I'm assuming that Kopech gets a rotation spot next year because Carlos Rodon, I doubt that they are going to re-sign him with the shoulder injury, especially since they have kind of like a ready-made replacement in Kopech. But, I mean, that would change if he doesn't get a rotation spot. But, again, I'm, I'm assuming that they're not going to re-sign Rodon. Okay, I like the call. I'm curious. I don't want to say I'm curious. I want to say that's interesting that you value the uncertainty of Michael Kopech even over Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal because Skubal was the guy that kind of got the chopping block from me. Like, I thought, shoot, I can't get him in the top five. Yeah, so Skubal... He's kind of went a little, he's one of the guys that I was a little bit worried about coming. Well, not, I wasn't worried about it until I saw his numbers coming out of uh, sticky gate and they're not as, they're not as good. And the results have kind of dropped out, dropped since then. And Mize, I've never really liked him because he doesn't have, he doesn't want I me mean, as a slider, but he doesn't have many, like that's his only off real, real off speed pitch. All of his entire arsenal is almost all variations of the fastball. And you're not going to have that. I, I kind of see him as like a Masahiro Tanaka, like prime him in his prime, I think is going to be like Jordan Zimmerman when Jordan Zimmerman was good, which is like a high volume guy, not a ton of strikeouts. Okay. I mean, he, he does have the benefit of pitching in the best pitchers park in baseball. So he has that going for him. Same thing with Scooble, but yeah, I think you're, Right in, I wouldn't say you're off base considering like Mize, Scooble, and Kopech mostly a toss up because I don't think any of the three really sticks out from the other two. Kopech uh, gets a benefit for me too because he's going to be a spark next year. And whereas Mize and Scooble are not. That's true. It's a good thought. Okay, Jake, turn around and give me the overall grade that you gave to Jordan for his selling job this season. Uh, so I, I gave him a B plus and the reasoning is I liked a lot of the offensive pieces. I think that, and they're all late enough that he, these are just like additions to your, the core of your team. So the reason that he, I did not give him a higher grade was because he did, he does not have a very good pitcher keeper. Like he doesn't have a lockdown pitcher keeper. And uh, that's important 
but I do think that 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 can be addressed because there are more pitchers being uh, more that well more of the high end pitchers being left back in the keeper pool or left back in the draft pool uh, this upcoming year. So I think some of the early round picks you won't have to reach as much. Like I don't think this year we will see somebody on the Zach Plezak level being drafted in the second round. Yeah, that's probably a safe assumption because Plezak. <laughs> Plezak stinks, even though I liked him as a breakout. Uh, probably shouldn't have gone in the second round. Definitely will not go in the second round ever again. Um, we could be having a very different conversation right now. If Tyler Glass now didn't get hurt and go down with Tommy John surgery, he would be a keeper for Jordan for at least one more year. And uh, then Jordan's keeper pool would be looking really good. But unfortunately, yeah, that wasn't now, the case. If Glass now is there, he gets an A from me. I mean, it's no fault of it's no fault of his own that Glassnell got hurt. It wasn't even certain that Glassnell was going to be out uh, before the trade deadline. The news came in that he was getting Tommy John, I believe, after the trade deadline had passed, or either right before, right maybe right before it. And by that point, all of his better players were had been shipped out, so it's really nothing he could do about it, anyways. Yeah, I thought about making an offer for Glassnell a couple weeks after the news came out that. He was hurt and it was going to be out for most of the rest of the season just to see if I could maybe, you know, get a steal on a, a big time 2022 keeper. Glad that I never sent that text. What was the uh, offer? I didn't even, I didn't come up with one. I just had the thought, you know, maybe I'm interested in making an offer for glass now. Never actually followed up on it. Sam, what did you give Jordan for your overall grade? I gave him a B just cause like, Jake said, if I was selling, I'd probably want like a top 25, top 30 pitcher at a discount for my keeper pool. Um, I do love Devers. I like Tucker a lot. I like Tim Anderson. Uh, Brian Reynolds is a steal in the 21st round, Um, but not really any pitchers to make note of real big, at least not any real stud pitchers in his keeper pool, which is something that's important in our league format, at least. You guys are a tough crowd. I gave Jordan an A minus and I was, I guess the way that I graded, I was mostly considering like the trades that they made for their best keepers and not, not so much actually grading their keeper pool itself. Um, he got Tucker for what was mainly Max Muncie. I think that's a great deal for Jordan. Jose Ramirez is who he traded away for Devers. I think that that was a, a pretty good deal. Like maybe he could have gotten a little bit more, but I think that it was perfectly fine. Devers is a stud. He did a great job getting Reynolds in the last round of the draft. Uh, so two kind of homegrown keepers on my top five in his list, Brian Reynolds and Casey Mize. And then he got Tim Anderson relatively cheap too. I think he traded away Yuli Gurriel and Mark Melanson, who are great players this year um, and were drafted at, pretty big discounts this year, but I don't necessarily know that anybody wants to keep 36 and 37 year olds. So I liked all the moves that he made. I don't think that he lost big time in any of his big selling trades. And that's why I gave him an A minus. Okay. So Brendan is our next team. Um, I will lead us off. I don't, I don't think that there's a big question as to who his franchise player is. I would say with confidence that it is definitely Freddie Peralta. Um, let's see if you guys have anything different to say. Sam, who do you have as his franchise player? I got Peralta. And Jake? Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you guys. It's Peralta, the guy that I traded away like two days into the season. What was that deal? 
Was it uh, Mar- was that the Marte? Meadows. No, Meadows. I got Meadows. Yeah, it was mainly. I mean, if you look back at it now, it was mainly Peralta, plus some change for Meadows, which looked great then. Yeah, for Jake. I think we roasted was, Brendan a little yeah, we, bit. We, for we that did deal. roast Brendan, yeah. and, and now it's now we could roast Jake for that deal. <laughs> that's how that's aged. Um, his top five keepers. I'll let you lead us off, Jake. All right, so I have Freddie Peralta, and I have Aaron Savale, Byron Buxton, Chris Bassett, and I didn't really have like a strong fifth one, but I ended up picking Syndergaard. Uh, it was going to be between him and Severino, and at this point, I don't have any confidence whatsoever in Severino's body holding up for any amount of time, and Syndergaard might be a spark next year, so he at least gets the nod there. I think I, of the two, I have more confidence in him being healthy next year. Hey, Severino just has a tight shoulder. Stretch it out. He's got one of those bands. You're fine. Yeah. Sam, who do you have for Brendan's top five keepers? I got Peralta, Savale. I like Verdugo and Buxton and then Severino. I think Syndergaard's career is pretty much over. You think Syndergaard's career is over? You guys have some hot takes tonight. He's Louise. He's like 28. He's done. Yeah, but have, uh, Brennan's a sorry. Go you can go no, ahead. no, no, you're good. Uh, I was gonna say Brennan's a little bit in a pickle with the, in the twelfth round. He's got Peralta, Severino, and Verdugo there. So that's the reason I didn't pick Verdugo's because yeah. I already had he already had uh, Freddie P in that round. Yeah, I would say I don't know. I guess we can talk about this more after Nate gives his. But do you guys think he should keep two guys in the twelfth round, or do you think he should go full list or full five? Uh, I mean, I. I think I'd rather have Bassett than Verdugo. Just scarcity of pitching. Isn't Bassett like old? He's 32, but he's mm-hmm. also only been in the majors full time for like two seasons now. Yeah, so he, he doesn't have the mileage that some of like the normal 32 year old pitcher would have. I, I didn't really know much about Bassett. I just didn't put him on my list because he was old. But sure, I'll accept well, that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, my top five was Freddie Peralta. I actually have Chris Bassett, number two, Byron Buxton, three, Aaron Savale, four, Alex Verdugo, five. I still am a big Savale fan, but I think it's fair to temper expectations now that he just hasn't. I mean, it's not like his fault, I guess, that he got hurt, but there's not much of a track record to base 2022 expectations on if we're just looking at last season, which then will be this season, 2021. So I did bump him down a couple spots. I think you can trust Bassett to be the same kind of volume pitcher that you were hoping Aaron Savale would be, but except Bassett's actually doing it right now. Buxton was shaky and a hard one for me to rank, but given that he is given just as much reason for excitement and optimism in the year 2021 as Mike Trout felt like I had to either you know way cut back on my valuation of Mike Trout in 2022 or give Byron Buxton at least a little bit of love and respect and rank him as third in Brendan's keeper pool. And then Verdugo, I threw him in fifth. You could probably put in Syndergaard or Severino here. I just happen to go with the bat because unless it's an elite pitcher, I usually tend to favor you know, an above-average hitter over an above-average pitcher just because so much can go wrong, especially with guys that are returning from injury. But yeah, Brendan has a logjam 
in the 12th round next year. And, and then Buxton and Savale will both be 12th rounders when we're looking at the keeper chart next year. So Brendan's got kind of a log jam to work through with his keeper list here, which then leads me to actually give him a C plus mm. for my grade mm. of, of the, of the sales job that he did. Not because I don't like the players. I do. I think he has a lot of talent in his keeper pool, but I don't really think that Brendan paid enough attention to see that he's, he has a pretty big log jam and tough decisions to make. Uh, Sam, what did you give Brendan? Yeah, I gave him a C just because he's got a lot of overlapping rounds. And I mean, it was tough for him because he, he looked like a pretty legit contender up until like a month or so ago. And then he kind of had a week or so where he had to decide if he was selling or if he was going to contend. And he kind of did a middle of those two and he didn't get a ton a value out of his, I guess, his currently high value players for a lot of keepers. Um, and he's stuck with a lot of guys in the 12th round that I think he probably should have moved at least one. Um, but yeah, I think he's got good players. It's just a little bit of a log jam. And uh, so that's why I put him a little bit lower. And not only that, but he traded away Dustin May, who would have actually helped him with his. I know it helped you yeah, with your log jam, Sam, but, but Brendan just took on more baggage. Another he guy did. that he has to potentially cut. Uh, what was your grade for Brendan, Jake? I, I had a B minus. I just, I mean, it's the same reasons you guys had, but I just, I guess I just wasn't quite as harsh with the, with the grading. Fair enough. So let's move on to our last seller of the segment. Sam, we're going to talk about your team for a little bit here, and I'm going to save all of your answers for last. Uh, the seller is a little bit disrespectful. Well, you chose <laughs> to actively market your unkeepable players that are also very good players to get players that you could carry forward with you to next season. So I think that's a fair assessment, but I think you'll be happy to hear um, my answers. And I'm, I'm guessing Jake's answers too. franchise player. I bet we're all going to agree on this one. It's, it's gotta be Corbin Burns who might be making an argument for himself. He's definitely not the consensus SP one, but he is starting to enter the conversation. It's, it's just been pretty much about the volume. That's been the missing piece for him these last two seasons. And he's, he's given it to you this year, you know, barring any injury that he might face the rest of the season. Corbin Burns is my franchise player for your team, Sam, Jake, who do you have for Sam's franchise player? Same thing. It's Corbin Burns. And, uh, he might be, he's making a strong argument for, uh, maybe best overall keeper once again. Absolutely is. Sam, is Corbin Burns yeah. your franchise player? I think so. I mean, he's a good guy to have around. Uh, he made me a little bit nervous, like maybe a couple of weeks after I paid a King's ransom for him. He kind of slumped there for a minute, but he's, he's, he's back and pitching well and happy to have him. Happy to have Corbin Burns, probably happy to have shipped off Aaron Nola. I know you gave up Trey Turner, too, who is a big loss. Um, but Aaron Nola has not been so hot. So I think all things considered, you did very well in that trade. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about your top five keepers. This should be interesting because when I was looking at your team, I had to leave off a lot of really good keepers. Yeah, a couple honor mentions. Yeah, <laughs> my top five is in order Corbin Burns, Corey Seager, Pablo Lopez, Dylan Cease, and Chris Sale. 
And that's not even considering Alex Reyes, Mike Clevenger, Cabrian Hayes, Buster Posey. I think I probably missed another pitcher in there. You could probably tell me it's your team, Sam. I don't really know. I don't have anybody other other pitchers Nate, listed Nate Baldi. Yeah, I don't know if he's pretty a keeper, late. but he's he's all right. He's all right. He might be a keeper on someone's team, not on yours. Cool. Yeah, he he'll probably be in the. We're still doing that draft thingy, right? Yep, that'll be an yeah, annual so he'll, tradition. He'll probably be there. Yeah, there's going to be a few guys that I think are going to be pretty good values coming from your team, and I would guess that your team is going to get shut down from being able to be vultured from by the end of the expansion yes. draft. Because remember, we I have am, that rule that I only two players, yeah, only two players from each team can be chosen in that keeper expansion draft. I would expect you be the first to be shut down. Jake, what is your top five for Sam's team? Right, so I have Corbin Burns one, Corey Seager two, Chris Sale three. Austin Riley four, Pablo Lopez five. Whoa! Wow! Oh, tell us about your Austin Riley love, Jake. Yeah, go ahead for that. Sam wants uh, to so be I convinced. Was, yeah, yeah, convince was, me that he should year, be on my list. I was one year early on him with a uh, with a breakout pick, but he really looks like he's coming around now. The plate discipline's been pretty good. Uh, he's always had good power. Now he's making more contact. Uh, I don't know. The last couple of weeks, it looks like it's kind of all coming together for him. Yeah, he has been pretty much lights out at the plate this this past couple of weeks. I think he's averaging like I don't know, close to four. I think he's still in the threes, but he's been really good. Um, wasn't on my keeper list, but I'll, I'll keep a closer eye on them now that the great Jake Deemer thinks he should be up there. <laughs> this year, top five, I mean, Sam. He's sixteenth round with three yeah. years of eligibility left. I mean, that's pretty right. good. Yeah. I got Burns one, Seager two, Sale three, Lopez four, Cease five. Honorable mentions to Key Brian Hayes if he ever gets his head to hit. I was going to say out of his ass, but then I forgot I could swear. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I like Rutschman too, just because he's a catcher, but I don't think he's going to be kept there. Um, And now my new favorite keeper is Austin Riley. Now that Jake has convinced me that he's the next Manny Machado. Is he skyrocketing up to your franchise player? Yeah, I think he's now going to replace <laughs> Corbin Burns. He's going to get the front front locker. Cor- Corbin can mer- move a little bit back. Um, yeah, I think I think he's there now. Honestly, if, if you're that confident in your keeper pool, you could probably just release Corbin Burns to the expansion draft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to overall grade. I'll lead us off. Sam, I gave you, it's going to be flattering, I gave you an A+. Jeez, uh, because typically when you're selling... Your aim is to be, you know, the top keeper pool heading into the next season. I haven't looked into detail as to how your keeper pool compares to some of the non-selling teams, but I would venture to guess that at worst, you're a top two keeper pool in the league and your team has still been able to compete. It's actually gotten better since you've sold. And I don't necessarily think that you intended that or thought that was going to happen but that's the way that it has worked out and that's kind of the ultimate dream is to set up your set yourself up for next season while staying competitive this year and i think that you've done both whether intentionally or not pretty flawlessly i gave you an a plus jake what was your overall grade for sam uh, I also gave an A plus because I think this is the type of keeper pool that you want when you're rebuilding. You got high upside players at the top who are for sure coming at a discount, like guys like Burns, Seager, Sale, and you also have a couple of high upside guys to kind of round it out. So, and you also got—I mean, you, just beyond the guys that I named too, like 
Clevenger, Cease. There's lots of options in case something goes wrong with those top guys or you can just sub another guy in there. So, yeah, A-plus. This is the best keeper pool heading into next year, without a doubt for me. And give yourself a grade. I gave myself an A minus because I don't want the pressure of an A plus. I didn't. I don't. I don't think you can give someone an A plus. I think that's a little bit ridiculous to go there. But yeah, I'm. I'm happy with the guys I got. I think from at least this list going through it, I would. I would choose my list out of anybody else. I don't. I haven't looked into keepers of contenders. I know there's a couple good guys out there that I was kind of going after that I wasn't able to get. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like the list, and then an added bonus of us performing better than than we were when we were contending because like go, coming out of the draft i was like oh, i got like a top three top five roster for sure and then we sucked and then i sold and now we're better for some reason i don't know why it's just all clicking and i it might and it might just be that clubhouse mentality i noticed you using yep, a lot yep, of we's yep. and us's in there the team just, <laughs> you're just really making the guys feel at home they might be you know hitting their stride so that is our rebuilders review. Hopefully some of you guys that don't often hear your teams talked about in detail enjoyed that segment. Uh, let's move on and hear Jake's standout player of the week. All right, so my standout player of the week is Dansby Swanson. Uh, he hit 435 with 22 total bases, six runs, 11 RBIs. This is the big one. He didn't strike out all week. Ooh. So... That was good for 44 fantasy points, 7.3 points per game. I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say about Dansby Swanson besides uh, maybe he can be like a back-end keeper that you just – and you're – I guess you're fine if you have him in shortstop. I don't know. I haven't I paid too much attention. was better. Yeah, I do too. He seems like like he has such a good baseball name. I left him out of Andy too. Yeah. I wish he, I do wish he was better. So you're telling me that Dansby Swanson isn't like an Austin Riley 2.0, like a sleeper keeper that you would Don't have. Don't be coming my, on Austin my, Riley like that. He's the best keeper in the league. In my top three <laughs> somehow. I, I haven't looked at your keeper, so may, maybe he is in your top three. I don't wow. think he is, but maybe. Probably not. He's currently... I, I would, go ahead. I was going to say I would venture probably not, but I, who knows. No, I don't. I don't think so either. But I will say this: Dansby Swanson is keeping Xander Bogarts out of the lineup, Ooh. so he has that going for him. It's, I mean, I have Matt Olson, Freddie Freeman, right? Both two, or they're both first base only, so can't start both unless one of them goes in UT. And then I have Dansby and Xander Bogarts, who are both shortstop only. So out of those four players, I got to sit somebody. And uh, it was either going to be Freddie Freeman or Xander Bogarts. I just chose to, it doesn't matter this week because this week is completely meaningless for me, but let's just say Dansby Swanson maintains the pace and he is literally a walking man on fire heading into playoffs. I think, uh, I think he forces my hand to keep Bogarts or Freeman out of the lineup. And Freddie Freeman is pretty much the most steady bat in the league. So I think it's Bogarts that's got to got to ride the pine if Dansby's going to stay hot like this. I think but, you should cut Bogarts so Dansby doesn't have the pressure like uh, Wentz with Foles behind him. Maybe I think, should, I think you should cut him. Maybe I should. That was Jake's standout player of the week, Dansby Swanson. Matchup preview. Looking ahead to Week 19, our last regular season matchups week. 
of the fantasy season. That's kind of crazy to say. Last year was such a sprint. We had less than two months from very start of the fantasy season to championship round. And uh, I'm kind of sad that baseball, at least fantasy baseball season, is coming to an end. But I guess it's also the most exciting time of the year for your playoff team. Best matchup. I'm going to lead us off. I'm going to continue the theme, giving Sam some love. I have weak pullout hitter versus team positivity as my best matchup. Um, being that this is, you know, interdivision rival week where you're matched up with the seed opposite of you in the other division, there's obviously a lot of great matchups this week, but I think this one has the most riding on it, as I'd think Sam would be the overwhelming favorite to win. But Jerwin is going to need to secure either a head-to-head win or a league median win to punch his ticket to the playoffs here. And beyond the wild card implications, I alluded to this earlier, and I'm actually going to get back to it here in a second. This matchup is also going to play into the three seed in the West Division as the door is still open for Sam to jump Mike. I don't actually expect the matchup to be super close based on how both teams have performed lately, but I couldn't not pick this matchup based on the implications tied to it. Sam, what's your best matchup this week? I got Jake versus Courtney, one versus two, husband versus wife, champ versus former champ. I think it's just a great matchup, and I would, I wish we could get some like audio clips of the trash talk at home if that happens, Jake. I think you should like maybe do a little added segment to this episode with some trash talk. Maybe next week we can add that in. Yeah, maybe next week. I mean, there is so there there is some trash talk sometimes. Actually, is it like straight up or is it like backhanded? Like I don't know. Like just uh, random. I guess it is a little bit backhanded because it's like it's almost like it's in passing. Mm. Like walk by, and like, hey, I saw your picture got lit up. You know? Yeah. yeah. Is there ever any uh and I'll keep it just to this level of discretion, is there ever any fantasy <laughs> pillow talk? Ooh. Uh I, not really. No, you guys don't just like turn over right before you're about to go to bed and be like, uh, yeah, sucks. DeGrom's going to be out the rest of the season. Suck it, Jake. <laughs> no, but I, like I, do more of, I do more of the complaining about the injured status of mm-hmm. my guys at night when I'm like just checking over my team. You and guys get in bad moods if you're getting blown up? I, uh, well... I get more, I more get mad at my own players rather than like outcomes of games. It's like you I'll take it out on Courtney. I don't. I just like rant about a specific guy. Like, uh, there was a period last year where I just like really, really hated Jack Flaherty. And it was like, it was pretty like I like Jack Flaherty was, I was, I was like swearing off keeping him, never going to have him, never going to draft him ever again on any team ever. It was, uh, yeah, I get upset at certain at like players, not really outcomes, I guess. Like Liam Hendricks, I hate him right now. <laughs> you hate You're Liam welcome. Hendricks? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Jake, I'm surprised that you guys seem to not talk about it as much as you'd think. Because at this point, the five stages of grief is an annual tradition in my household. Mm-hmm. Alia has to hear every playoff season about how first it's rage, then it's denial, then it's acceptance. I don't know what the rest are, but I was pretty be much really impressed if you rolled through them all. Pretty much every year where I'm like, oh, I should win this week. And then I kind of start to lose. I start to get nervous, right? And then it just goes into being straight up mad. Like I hate fantasy baseball. 
<laughs> and then yeah, I don't see like I don't get like that. I just get mad at like specific guys that if they do bad. I just get mad because you know me. I talk a big talk in our league, and when my guys don't back up my talk, <laughs> it makes me angry. Nate has historically bad fantasy luck, at least with leagues that I've been in with him. Yeah, so that, that that can't help the rage either. It it does not. Definitely does mm-hmm. not. Jake, what's your matchup of the week? Or best. Matchup? I had the same. I had the same one that you did, uh, Jerwin and Sam, and I think that this was the one that had the most stakes attached to it. I know mine and Courtney's is kind of like for the top overall seed, but like Jerwin's in danger of missing the playoffs and Sam could sneak up one more seed. So I, I think that that one's probably has more attached to it. And I don't know. I, I, I think that I, I'm expecting Jerwin to put, put up a fight here because uh, backs against the wall. He's got no keeper pool to fall back on next year. He, need, he needs this one. He needs to make the playoffs here. He needs yeah. this one. And we talked about who I would rather have between Mike and Sam right now, or earlier in the episode. Jake, who would you rather have of the three between Jerwin, Brendan, and Eddie? All right, let me ask it this way. Who do you not want to see in the first round out of those three teams? Uh I'll say Brennan because he always has that like first round upset. And even if he loses head to head this week and comes in on like an eight game losing streak or head to head losing streak or whatever, like I he's still gonna show up. Him. Yeah, I know he's gonna show up just because he he has the experience. He knows how to win those first round games. Yeah, Brennan actually can't lose head to head this week or else he misses playoffs. I'll get okay, back so to that. He, I'll get back yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, he uh does he okay, need two so, and zero, or I guess we'll get back to it? But we will. I'm I'm gonna give the full breakdown and my thing to watch for. So I'm actually gonna let you t- you two guys go first. Sam, what's your thing to watch for this week? Uh, my thing to watch for was Mike's matchup and my matchup. Um, just because we have that thing, I think I have to go two and zero, and Mike has to go zero and two. Just because I think he's got like a thousand point lead on me. So if I go one and one, he goes zero and two, or some inverse of that. It still won't do anything for me, so I think it has to be zero and two, two and zero, um, which is going to be tough. I, I think Mike um, doesn't get under the median a lot, and I don't. And he's playing JC, so that that's a matchup he could lose. But I'm not super confident. I don't think I would bet on Mike going zero and two and me going two and zero at the same time. That'd be a that'd probably be a pretty good bet if that hit. I would agree, Jake. What's your thing to watch for? Uh, my thing to watch for is how long it will take Jordan to get uh, 10 two-start pitchers in his lineup <laughs> because I feel like it's only a matter of time. Uh, these are all like totally garbage pitchers, by the way, but it doesn't matter. They all have two starts. They all must be in his lineup, and I think it's only a matter of time before we get a full lineup, a full, uh, what is it, a nine-man pitching staff with all two-start pitchers. And I'm excited to see it when it happens. That would be impressive. Imagine he's at, he's officially eliminated from playoffs, but imagine he snuck into the second wild card somehow, did that, and upset one of the one seeds. That would be that would nuts. be incredible. <laughs> that would be incredibly rage inducing if if I was the one losing that matchup. My thing to watch for is how our playoff bracket is going to shake out, and here's how everybody gets into the playoffs or clinches the seed that they are after. 
from the top down, Jake can clinch the number one overall seed with either a head-to-head win over Courtney or a league median win this week. Courtney can clinch the number one overall seed with a head-to-head win over Jake and a league median loss for Jake. I can clinch the number one seed in the West Division and the number two overall seed with a 2-0 finish, an 0-2 finish from Courtney, and by outscoring Courtney's team by 65.8 or more points in our respective head-to-head matchups, which, by the way, has happened five times this season, so not impossible. Nate's not doing the research on that, though. Mike can clinch the number three seed in the West Division with either a head-to-head win or a league median win. Sam can clinch the number three seed in the West Division with a 2-0 finish and an 0-2 finish from Mike. Jerwin can clinch the number eight overall seed in the second wildcard spot with either a head-to-head win or a league median win. Brendan can clinch the number eight overall seed in the second wildcard spot with a 2-0 finish, an 0-2 finish from Jerwin, and a head-to-head loss for Eddie or a league median loss for Eddie or by not being outscored by Eddie in their respective head-to-head matchups by 83.8 or more points, which has happened three times this season. And finally, Eddie can clinch the number eight overall seed in the second wildcard spot with a 2-0 finish, an 0-2 finish from Jerwin, and a head-to-head loss for Brendan, or a league median loss for Brendan, or by outscoring Brendan in their respective head-to-head matchups by 83.8 or more points, which again, has happened three times this season. That is everybody's path to the seed that they are after or to a playoff spot in general. Matchup predictions. Uh, matchup record heading into this week. Mine on the season is 59 and 25. Jake, yours is 53 and 31. We both had three and three weeks last week. So not great, not terrible, whatever. Uh, the matchups this week. Let's start at the top. We have Jake's fantasy baseball team versus Team C Deemer. Sam, I'll let you go first. I got Jake. I also have Jake. So, Jake, what's your pick? I think I'm feeling good this week. Uh, Kimbrell and Hendricks don't have to play the Yankees, so I don't think they're going to put up some big negatives this week. And don't have to play in a Little League field with corn patches behind the outfield fence. Yeah, that definitely didn't help. Right. Uh, So we all have Jake winning that matchup. The next matchup is number one contender versus Pine Run Market. Uh, Jake, who do you have in this one? Uh, I have Nick winning this one because you said in the group chat that this didn't matter, and I think that Nick took that personally. Oh, I'm sure he did, and I'm sure that he's going to tell me about it if he wins when this matchup literally has zero implications to it. I mean, unless the impossible happens and... I overtake Courtney, but I don't foresee that happening. Sam, who do you have winning this one? I, ha- I had Nick, too, for similar reasons. I think Nate is looking past the matchup, and it's going to run into his team, and his guys aren't going to play very well. They're going to be lethargic, not going to show up for him since he's not taking this seriously, so I think it's going to be Nick all the way. I am doing a little bit of experimenting. I think I'm pretty sure I, I tinkered around a lot with my lineup. I think what I settled on was playing jo- Josh Harrison, Jay Hay, over Jose Altuve at second base. I played Gene Mercandelario over Justin Turner at third base. And uh, which I think then had me put Whit Merrifield in at left field. I did a lot of tinkering and it was, it was really 
one, there's no risk if I lose the matchup because it doesn't really do anything to my playoff seating. But two, I wanted to continue to test my theory of how does my team perform if I'm riding the guys that have been the hottest over the last two weeks to four weeks? I figured in a matchup that doesn't mean anything, why not just test it out? I thought you were trying to those keep, guys. I thought you were trying to keep your guys healthy, like they do in like week seventeen. Yeah, have the have the studs ride the pine. I'm definitely hoping that my team stays healthy. Slash Mookie Betts gets healthy. I'm really nervous about Mookie Betts not being healthy for the first round at all. Really nervous. We'll see. I have my team winning this matchup regardless. I don't really care who wins, but. I think with Trevor Rogers being out, with Carlos Rodon being out, with Shane Bieber's return not imminent, I just feel like the the pitching is a little bit of a mismatch. So we'll see. I have my team winning. You guys both have Nick winning. Third matchup. Uh, team no name, Scott versus Gone Forever, Eddie. I have Eddie winning this matchup. Sam, what did you have? I have Eddie. Jake? I also have Eddie. Okay, not much debate there. Our fourth matchup, uh, team the Soto Le Shuffle versus Pretty Petite Princesses. We got Brendan versus Jordan. I have Jordan winning this matchup and Ooh. ending Brendan's streak of making the playoffs every single year that our league has been running. Jake, what do you have? I also have Jordan just because he has so much volume. I, I'm getting a kick out of him adding like every two-star pitcher that is available on free agency and starting them regardless of how bad they are. Yeah, it is an interesting strategy. Uh, Sam, who do you have winning this matchup? I I had Jordan written down, but I think I'm going to go with Brendan here in a last-minute switch. I think he just finds a way to get into the playoffs, and I think Jordan's ton of trash volume is going to blow up in his face just because Brendan's got that playoff juju with him right now. Yeah, let's see. This is the week that determines if if my bold prediction way back at the beginning of the year is an A-plus bold prediction or not. Uh, next matchup is the one that Jake and I had as best matchup of the week. Week pullout hitter versus team positivity. Sam, who do you have winning this matchup between you and Jerwin? I have, I have my team winning this one. Comfortably? I wouldn't say comfortably. You're not going to change your name back to JC wins comfortably? <laughs> That was just because the I wanted that clip. Uh, I tried to clip it. I think I could like screen record it and clip it, and then I don't know. Maybe I could put it like a sound wave as my profile picture, but that seemed like too much work. Um, that would be funny. Yeah. Pretty funny. Some bulletin board up there for the guys. Yeah, Jake, who do you have winning this matchup between Sam and Jerry? I have Sam winning. Team's just on a roll right now, and I I don't see it slowing down. Yeah, as do I. I also have Sam winning. Um, last matchup of the week JC hashtag $50 by 2022 versus Big Money Mike this was a, an interesting one to pick from went with Big Money Mike not confidently but still picked him Sam who do you have winning this one I have JC just because I need him to win Jake Send, sending good vibes to him <laughs> I'll pick JC because I need to go opposite Nate to make up make up some ground, and this one's close enough where it's a coin flip either way, anyways. Ah, so you originally had Mike, is what you're telling me? Uh, 
Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Let's get into our around the league portion of the podcast. Jake, hit us with your league history fact of the week. All right. My league history fact of the week is a little bit different than what I've been doing. And it's since coming in at number 24 on Mike's most valuable player rankings, Liam Hendricks has scored negative 16 fantasy points. Uh, his ranking during that span is number 349 among among rostered players. Yeah, that's close. my. It's close to Jake, 24. Does this go, Jake, does this go back to you hating your players that are performing bad? Did you find a stat for this just because you wanted to air him out a little bit? Yeah, I got I got to publicly embarrass him so he turns it around. That's Jake's league history fact of the week, which almost sounds eerily similar to standout player of the week. But regardless, uh, <laughs> this is episode 20 of the Best Player Wins Fantasy Baseball podcast. But now it's time for week 14. Obviously, that means Jordan came to us later in the season, but we are now on week 14, could you believe it, of Jordy the General's weekly sports book. Take us away, Jordan. What is up, everyone? Back another week of sports book here, getting towards the end of the regular season. I am uh, excited to get into some content. I have some uh, some very interesting stuff. I'm excited to get into it. Um, let's start by looking at Nate and Courtney's matchup. Nate, minus 44 total 555 points nate has been favored in five straight matchups um however he's just three and two against the spread in these matchups um two losses to myself and to brendan but it is worth noting that both of those spreads were greater than 75 points so while uh nate is having trouble covering the big spreads here he's also uh he's been dominating in kind of these these middle ones here so i expect uh a, a continuing surge from Nate to try to reach the uh, top of the top of the division over there in that division. Um, next, I'm looking at Jake uh, minus ten against Nick. Total 545 points. I think this has been a forgotten storyline um, from earlier in the season. Nick being a total beast against the spread as an underdog. Actually, fun fact: he still has not lost as an underdog. It's ten and zero now. Um, can he keep going after Jake had a tough week? I'm really excited about both of these matchups here, both uh, both of the one-two uh, in the standings on each side of the bracket. So I'm excited to see the implications that these two matchups can have. Going to get into the locks here. The haters, uh, not to name names, Jake, uh, thought this segment was dead after two uh, tough weeks in a row. But I am very, very much alive here. I won 5-0 and last week. Um, Real, really, the bounce back that I needed here, as I did go through a little tough, a little bit of a tough stretch here, but uh, we're back, and we're gonna be back again this week. I'm gonna get into them here. First, we have Jerwin minus forty five um, against me. Jerwin was really bad last week. I think his back is uh, up against the wall now that we're getting into crunch time, and he, really, he doesn't have too big of a lead over uh, over Brendan. Well, I think the Jerwin will still make the playoffs and everything. It's gonna be it's gonna be close still. Um, but I think that he's going to deliver um, a, de- de- deliver a big week here and get over the median and beat me pretty badly. Uh, my underdog, I have Sam, uh, plus 42 against Big Money Mike. Uh, don't let Sam get hot. He's had two very, very good weeks in a row. I think he led the, led the league last week in points. Um, he's also covered in four of the last five weeks, so Sam is really... Um, Turning it on at the right time here. I expect that to continue. 
against a uh, big money Mike team that's really struggling with some injuries to key players right now. So I think that's going to hurt Mike's chances of covering here. Over, I have Courtney and Nate over 555 points. Uh, matchup of the week, in my opinion. I know that Jake and Nick's also top two in the division um, matchup, but man, these two Titans um, are, are really going to score a ton of points here. I think, although it is the highest uh, total for the uh, the week, I think that they'll easily hit this. Their week four matchup hit the over uh, very easily. They scored combined almost 700 points, uh, which really makes 555 look like child's play at this point. So I'm excited to see that matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, under, I, I have Sam's matchup again with Big Money Mike under 508 points. As I hinted at earlier, um, Mike's team is really getting pounded with injuries right now. I think it's going to be tough for him to put up uh, the points that we're used to Mike seeing, which um, pains me to say I'm a supporter of Big Money Mike. Um, but I think it's going to be tough for him to really score. He's projected 275. I think with the, the injuries that he has, I think it's going to be really hard. Um, it's going to be really hard for him to reach that. So with that, I'm saying the under here is definitely the move. Um, median, 251 points. Uh, it was kind of close kind of close last week. I think we covered by uh, like 10 points or so. But under 251 here, um, under continues to roll on. We've been dominating every week. Uh, so we're going to continue to dominate with this one. I'm going to come back 5-0. and I hope that uh, – Hope that everyone that I called out here can deliver for me. Um, but we're going to get back at it again next week. I'll see you guys then. Back to uh, back to you guys. That was Jordy the General's weekly sports book. Thank you, Jordan. News and notes. Let's end this episode with some news and notes. I feel like we haven't had a good news and notes segment in a little while. So I put some extra effort in this week. I think this one's going to be fun. Superstar shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. returned on Sunday, making his outfield debut playing right field, and he wasted no time returning elite production, hitting two homers in his first game back. I'm going to ask you guys, do you think that the move to outfield is temporary? Just keep it brief. Yes or no. Do you think the move to outfield is temporary? I'll say for 2021, Sam. Probably. I mean, he kind of sucks in the field, but. I guess we said yes or no. So, Jake, no, <laughs> no, you don't think it's temporary. Wait, yes, yes, yes. I think. okay, okay, yes, <laughs> okay, Jake. Yeah, th- yeah, this is definitely temporary. Okay, so my next question is, if you did think it was temporary, which you both said yes, how temporary do you think it will be? And the question that I'm aiming at here is, do you think that he is going to get ten appearances at any one of the three spots in the outfield to pick up fantasy eligibility there heading into next year? Uh, Jake, I'll ask you first. Uh, I I think. I mean, they they've only played him at right field so far, right? Yes, just one appearance, I, I believe. I, I I would think that right field would be the spot for him because then they can then they don't have to play Will Myers every day, which is a good thing. So I'm going to say, yeah, I think he'll pick up right fielder. I think he'll pick up right field eligibility. Okay. Now, Sam, before I kick it over to you, keep in mind. If he plays left field once and right field nine times, he does not get outfield eligibility in our league, at least. In my dynasty league, he would, because that's 10 appearances in the outfield. But our league, where we go outfield specific spots, he would not pick up eligibility. So do you think that he will pick up outfield eligibility? I'll say no, because I think ESPN will send a hitman to San Diego if they don't put Tatis in in the spotlight. 
Okay. So you think he needs to play shortstop for ESPN's sake? Yes. Okay. Even though he is has been bad at shortstop defensively this year. Leads the I would league like to errors. push I would like to push back on that a little bit because leads errors, the league in errors. Errors <laughs> are not everything. I mean it's something though. It's okay. It's something. You sound like a guy that loved a Derek Jeter, Jake. It's not. Yeah. No, 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 I hate Derek Jeter. He's overrated. Okay. But errors, errors are kind of deceiving for defensive value because a lot of that has to do. A lot of the reasons that he does have the errors is because he's able to get to more hard hit, more harder hit balls that would be tougher that a short that normal shortstop wouldn't even be able to make it there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those tough plays just don't always go your way, but they still a good chunk of the time gets classified as an error. Okay. He, he is much better range than a lot of shortstops. And I think it's kind of deceiving that his, yeah. the errors kind of skew I'll, his defense. I'll buy value. some of that. I'll, I'll buy some of that. Yeah. I like that angle. You can buy that. Uh, are you guys worried about re-injury to the shoulder for the rest of this season? Or do you think we're safe for the next six weeks? Jake, I'll ask you first, since you're the, the resident injury expert, made of glass <laughs> yeah uh i don't know that you're totally in the clear but i would hope that the padres told him no matter what you're not to try and like cut anyone down at third base or second base you are to throw to the cutoff man every single time you'd hope sam what do you think yeah i think they're i'd be a little bit worried even if the padres tell him that i don't know if he'll actually do it i think he's still going to take a shot if he has it so I think he could re-injure it being stupid, maybe. That would be my worry is he like, it's just, you know, you're not thinking about it all the time, but if he sees a guy like round the third and tries to gun him out at home, that yeah. is like the highest stress throw you can put on your arm from the field. That's actually how I injured my shoulder was trying to throw a guy out at home from the outfield. So did you get him? No, I sailed it way over. <laughs> oh, my. oh, this <laughs> is I, the worst I, play. I, I, I airmailed it. <laughs> okay, that's Fernando Tatis Jr. Let's talk about Julio Urias, who I said that we would revisit. Uh, so Dodgers left-handed pitcher Julio Urias was placed on the injured list with a calf bruise and will miss at least 10 days. Some have speculated that this is one of those you know, famous Dodgers phantom IL stints, which would make sense in this case because... Julio Urias' 139 and two-thirds innings, innings pitched is a career high, far surpassing his previous career high of 79 and two-thirds innings in 2019, and far more than the amount that he threw last season, which was just 55 innings pitched. So I'm going to ask you guys, do you think that Julio Urias will return after the minimum, or do you think that this may be a longer stint, even if by like another week to manage his workload? Sam, I'll ask you first. I don't think you can justify keeping him out longer with just a calf bruise. I think he'll be all right. I think they kind of need him because they're still behind the Giants, right? I think they're going to want him. They are. So, so I think they'll bring him back. Jake, what do you think? Uh, if it's not if it's not the minimum, I think it'll be like twelve days or something pretty close to the to the minimum. So nothing that would jeopardize uh, his fantasy impact for round one of the playoffs. Well, I, I could see them keeping him out for like week one of round one of the playoffs, but I think that he could be back for maybe like towards the tail end of week two. Okay. So you could see a case where Mike is not getting the full impact of Julio Urias. That's kind of where I fall. I don't, I wouldn't bet on it, but I could totally see the Dodgers uh, 
putting the kitty gloves on for Julio Urias here. Um, but speaking of that, the injuries are mounting, and virtually every playoff team is missing a major piece or more through injury or other reasons. And here's the guys that everyone's missing. Jake, you're missing Jacob deGrom. Courtney is missing Mike Trout and Alex Bregman. I'm missing Mookie Betts. Nick is missing Carlos Rodon, Shane Bieber, and Trevor Rogers. JC is missing Trevor Bauer, whose name I misspelled in the prep here. Mike is missing Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias. And Sam, you're missing Pablo Lopez. I didn't include any of the uh, teams that are racing for the second wildcard spot, just because who knows who's going to get that spot. But yeah, we're all missing pretty key players. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys your opinion on a couple of these questions. Who's round one of the playoffs do you think is most in jeopardy as a direct result of these missing players? Sam, I'm going to ask you first. Uh, I don't know when these guys are really coming back, but I'd say Nick just because he has three guys out and they're all high-impact players. Um, I don't know if he's expecting any back or hoping to have any back, but I'd say just from the amount of guys he has out that are contributors, high volume contributors, high, good player contributors. Um, I'd say he's words, probably words. <laughs> I'd say he's not, not doing great. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say Nick too, just cause that's a pretty big chunk of his pitching staff. And that's a lot to lose at any point. You can't really account for, you can't really fully mask having three of your starting pitchers out. There's no way to really recover from that. Yeah, I think Nick's a is a fair answer. I'm going to say Courtney because I think that she is going to get a tough matchup regardless. She gets the other end of that Sam-Mike duo. And I know I've been tough on Courtney's team for the past couple episodes, but there, it is really tough when you lose not only Mike Trout and Alex Bregman, but she also lost Ronald Acuna Jr. I just didn't include him here because there's no potential for a return obviously she but, might have you darvish out for the first round too yeah he did just get placed on the il with what was it hip inflammation which i think he might have even dealt with in the past i think it was something with his back which is probably worse honestly okay so yeah she's not getting a, a soft matchup in round one unless she jumps you for the number one overall seed this week which i don't think is likely um and she's been without some big bats for most of the season and is now without her second best pitcher in you Darvish. I th I'm going to say Courtney, but could also be Nick for sure. Second question, are any of the players that are on this list, uh, are you confident that they will be back by round two of our playoffs at the latest? Like I know that a lot of these guys have question marks, but out of the ones that I named, can you point to one or two or three and say, I'm confident that that guy is going to be back by the second round of playoffs. If, their team makes it that far. Sam. Julio Reyes. I was going to say gotcha. Julio, Reyes. Julio Reyes is the one for me that I would be most confident. Okay. Yeah. Like Sam's probably going to, I was going to say, Sam's going to hawk your answer. Yeah. I would like to, th yeah, Julio Reyes, if he makes, if Mike makes it to the second round, I'm confident he'll be back. I would think Trevor Rogers would be back as long as they build him back up in time. I'm nearly confident that Mookie Betts will be back by second round of playoffs. We'll see. Uh, and then the last question, are there any players on this list that you're concerned won't return at all, or at least not in time to make any fantasy impact rest of season? Sam. Pass. Pass? Okay. Jake. Uh, DeGrom. Ooh. I could see them just shutting him down. 
Degrom only. Uh, I think so. Out of all these guys, Degrom is the one that I could see being completely shut down. And it's just if the Mets slide more and they're out of the playoffs, I, there's no, there would be no need to push him. For me, it's this is probably overstating the obvious. Trevor Bauer, he's not coming back this year. DeGrom, I didn't even think that he counted at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just I mean, a given that he's going to yeah. be gone for the rest of the year. Isn't he in court like right now? Yeah, he is. Uh, Jacob Degrom probably. Mike Trout, I think, is in danger. Shane Bieber, I think, is in danger. Clayton Kershaw is going to be back this year, but is he going to be back in time uh, for Mike to stay alive and then be able to use him? I don't know. I think those are some of my big names. Sam, did you have anything to add? No. All right. Well, <laughs> that is uh, episode 20 of our Best Player Wins Fantasy Baseball podcast. Sam, thank you for joining us this week. It was a lot of fun to record. Do you have anything to share with the people? No, I, I actually was going to ask you after we ended this, but is there a story behind this yurt thing you do? No, no story. All right. That's, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, on that note, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week for our first playoff preview episode in episode 21. Yeah.